Blaine and Mickey, 104 by the zone. Happy Tuesday to everybody. A little breaking news happened right as we started the show today. Vanderbilt women's basketball coach Stephanie White uh, finished at Vandy after five seasons. I saw Adam Sparks had that earlier today. He was the first guy with it. Um, had been he had been tweeting earlier about just a, an exodus of, of players in the program. I think he mentioned nine different players who transferred out as far as he had counted and uh three this year i think three starters up until now so uh candace story lee with a, another another coaching search that she will have to do um over at vandy they've got lots going on with facilities uh, clark lee trying to get things going in the right direction for football and um now women's basketball will get a uh, a new person to run things over there, and uh, Blaine, they're going to have some new facilities to work with. It's the SEC. This is one of the most, well, I mean, it's one of the best places in the world to live. You live here, and I live here, and Lucas lives here, but don't take our word for it. You know, there's 100 people or so moving here every day choosing to call Nashville home. There will be no shortage of people who are going to be lined up to try to take a head basketball coach in the SEC job in nashville tennessee oh yeah no doubt about that uh it's funny you say oh new facility you act like they're just gonna have it up there and ready to go for next season i mean <laughs> the, the new coaches have to survive <laughs> the new facilities get there <laughs> Let, let's talk about that but <laughs> all jokes aside just uh you know uh, another uh process of hiring a coach uh, as an athletic director you always hate those times uh but you know new start in of a you know an era and, and moving on to the to the next hire and uh you know and these are you know her hires you know so then that's kind of you kind of put your stamp on it when you're a new athletic director these are my guys no different than when a new coach comes in and say these are my recruits these are the guys yep. that i i went after so uh i think it's a positive thing too at the same time and that uh we'll see how well she does hiring a uh a basketball women's basketball coach because you know as of right now no games been played but you know she hired within as far as someone part of the family of the Vanderbilt family so when Clark Lee so we'll see if uh she's going with somewhere you know somewhat that route or maybe a young up-and-comer or assistant uh you know around the SEC or around uh you know college uh basketball and women so yeah but another tough call but she Seems to though to uh, be on the right track and doing a lot of positive things, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the three hundred million dollar you know facility uh, change and upgrades. And we'll see how this process goes when they start you know digging some dirt. I retweeted uh, the tweet earlier. Simon Gibbs of uh, the Vanderbilt Hustler newspaper had tweeted uh, her her record, uh, Stephanie White's record. Uh, over her five years, uh, 46 and 83, 13 and 54 in SEC play. And Chad on Twitter, Chad Tracy responded and said, CSL is officially a hero, making all the right calls. Mm. Well done, ma'am. I will say this. you don't, I mean, you hate to see people get fired. You hate to see anybody lose their job because it, it goes down the line to all the assistants and everybody else on their staff. It means a lot of people are job hunting. But I will say this. Fans of programs like to see administrations be proactive, right? If something's not sure. working yeah. and you give it a full chance, it's five years is plenty enough time to see. Fans like to see that you will move on. Now, if you're Candace Story Lee, that wasn't your hire. And like you said, 
every time you hire a coach, that's one of your recruits that you nailed that analogy. That's perfect. That's what you're doing. You're recruiting your team of coaches. So, you know, this is another chance for her to put her stamp on the program. And one thing about being a director of athletics is you always got to have that idea of who the next person is going to be in every sport because you just don't know when those relationships might end. Your coach may leave. They may retire. Maybe you got to fire them. Maybe they get an offer and they move on. Mm-hmm. But you got to have, you basically got to have that little notebook in your pocket. You flip it open and go, okay, yeah. who's my first call here? Yeah, you always got to have your punch list, you know, especially for the, the major revenue, you know, generating sports, uh, but for all your, your sports. So, uh, yeah, this is one of them, and I'm sure uh, she does. And uh, if not, then uh, she'll hire a firm to give her some good ideas, and then she'll find out uh, who's the best fit for their program in, in their university. And uh, I, I trust in that she'll make the right call again, because uh, in this situation with Clark Lee, the only hire we can talk about, even though no games played, he definitely was the perfect fit. Now he just has to win some ball games, And how soon will that happen? with the turnover uh, as far as players on the roster. Do you kind of wait and evaluate him here in the next two or three years when you're at a university like Vanderbilt, you're talking about football and all the things uh, that they'll be facing in the SEC uh, with their academic requirement? Mm-hmm. All right, staying with basketball. Here's the way I look at championship games. To me, they're like holidays. They're like this big holiday feast, Blaine. And I always, in my mind, I, it's the turkey and all the trimmings. It's just going to be amazing. And then I'm always let down, but it's a blowout. And last night, I got to tell you, man, I was let down. Right as we ended the show, you basically hollered out and said, Baylor's going to win this. You were 100% right. You called it. They didn't just win it. They pushed them around all night. You know, we were talking about this earlier. The fact that it got to 10 at halftime, man, it wasn't even close to 10. I don't know how in the world they got because they cut it from 19 to 10. But Baylor just, they just crushed them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was like they've been waiting for this because it was, you know, the game was canceled because they had uh, COVID, so they, they didn't get yep. a chance to play them. And that might have benefited Gonzaga if they had to play them because they probably would have started off with a zone as as they got through that first half there and started playing zone because they couldn't guard them. And that was a great change up there by few. But, uh, you know, they were just, you know, defensively, especially on the perimeter, they were just so aggressive. Uh, they were better athletes. They were quicker. They were faster. Uh, a lot of second chance shots, uh, 50-50 balls, turnovers. I mean, you name it. It was a domination, really, of the Zags uh, by the Bears. Uh, so they the Zigs, uh, the Zags tried to zig, and the Bears <laughs> said, "You can't go anywhere." I'm pretty fast. So, in the day, uh, you know, they're the trio of uh, Teague, you know, Butler, who won the you know player of the game, as well right. as uh, Mitchell, who looks just like Donovan Mitchell as far as the way he plays. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then that number just makes me feel like that's him. Uh, and it, you know, so he gave a shout out too by wearing that jersey to, uh, to his game, uh, I guess, uh, there with the Jazz. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a domination. Uh, I, it just, uh, it hurt me too, like, because I wanted to see a great game. Uh, but I, I knew those guards, their guard play was going to kind of take over. And I, I didn't think they would be that dominant as far as athletically. Uh, but they understood their roles and they got hot. And man, did they play that game with the kind of confidence? And I was watching closely. Even Mitchell, before after they did the starting lineup, he stood out in front when they called the Zach starting lineup. That dude just, just eyeballed them all and stood there like, we about to get y'all. They were locked and loaded. They were ready to go. I mean, man. 
and they came out with like gangbusters. I mean, next thing you know, it was 23 to 8, 9 0, yeah. 11 to 2. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I said, they got to have a run in them. And then when they yeah. got to 10 at halftime, I said, if they come back and have, have a nice little run, they'll be ready to go. No can do. No can do. No, no. no. Baylor put the gas, the pedal to the metal. It was like, nah, man, this is all day long. You just can't even be on the same court as us. And so that was shocker. So I picked Baylor, but I, I wanted to be a really close game, and I had no idea it would be like that. I bet if they played 10 times, Baylor would win, but not like that. Probably win eight Se- out of ten. Mm. 70 points was the lowest that the Zags scored this season. They averaged 92 points a game, and they scored 70. They only got up 49 shots, which, you know, we were talking about this the other day, the 85 Villanova-Georgetown game where uh, – they walked uh, Nova, up the court and didn't yeah, have no sh- three points and nothing. They no shot twenty eight. They shot twenty eight times in that game, but <laughs> which blew a bunch of people's mind. Like twenty eight shots. Yes, they only got up forty nine shots. Uh, Gonzaga in this game, and again, they averaged ninety two points a game. Was not to be. Uh, Coach Mack set to join us next. It's our weekly visit with the Mack Attack. Got lots to get to. NFL draft and more. The man called Coach Mack, the man in black. That's next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Caught beneath the landslide of awesomeness. That is Coach Dave McGinnis. Coach Mack brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered just like Coach Mack has us covered each and every way. Coach, Texas team finally won the uh, – NCAA championship. It was not your team, but it was the old Baylor Bears. That's an old rival for you. Did you did you root for the fellow Texas team or no? How did you handle last night? I got so many friends at uh, Baylor. I got a lot of friends that coach football at Baylor. I had all kind of Bears texting me during that game saying, <laughs> I told you so. That, it was, you know, what, and, and again, you know, when you look at it, of course, you know, Gonzaga, you know, what a what a really, really good team. And I think that people are that are that are they're banging on Gonzaga for losing the game are completely wrong. You had two really good teams. Uh, Baylor, I mean, what they have done down there, especially what they have come from, you yeah. talk about a resurrection story. But anyway, I, I thought I thought Baylor played an excellent game. And by the way, Baylor's really good. So yeah, I uh I, I had a lot of Baylor Bear fans. As I said, uh, contacted me throughout that game, saying, "I told you so." You find yourself ever watching those games and thinking, "Well, I could make a safety out of that guy. Gosh, I could make a tight end out of that guy." Because those guys are just so athletic, man. You think like Suggs could have played college football? There's so many of those guys that are just such fantastic athletes. Go oh, athletically, they're really good. I mean, I, I really Baylor. I love watching their guard guard play. I mean, those dudes, quick, quick, quick. I mean, you know, I could I could see making corners out of those guys really, really quick, you know. But but anyway, yeah, I just enjoyed watching. I enjoy watching good athletes compete, and 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 especially at the collegiate level, you know, as big as the Final Four is, and especially the championship game, that's just huge. And I think people that are disappointed in the game are really disappointed in life. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to get to that point. So much kudos to both of those teams for getting to the national championship. No doubt. I'm a coach, Mac, Farm Bureau Health Plans, making it happen. Talking football and heck, college basketball, even right here on Blade and Mickey. <laughs> no doubt about it, giving us analysis. Uh, he knows all. Coach Mac giving us the Mac attack. And I guess since you've been around the NFL for, I don't know, 30 some years, 
What was your evaluation, curveball, sinker, slider right here, of Mike Vrabel when he came out of college? You know, I remember I remember uh, when he came out, uh, and I'd have to go back and look at my notes, <laughs> but I would know one thing, that it would be – it was a physical play, and plus – you know, he was a captain on that team. I mean, they were uh, they were a really good football team. And it'd probably be about the way I graded him the one times when he was in the league, you know, uh-huh. when I watched him play. Very physical, very smart, mm-hmm. very versatile, the kind of guy that you just knew that you wanted on your team. And clearly, you know, he found himself when he went to New England because, yeah. you know, I'll I tell you one thing that does travel, uh, and you know this as well as I do, Blaine, the thing that travels from team to team with a player is if you're an innately tough guy, that travels to every locker room you go in. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree on one thing. Mike Vrabel was and is an innately tough dude. Yeah. And, you know, I only asked that because his former teammate on NFL Network, Willie McGinnis, made a comment about Dupree and that Dupree is actually just a modern day, you know, I'm, I'm putting it in my terms, modern day Mike Vrabel. So he basically scouted himself and said, that's who I would be today with probably a little more athleticism and speed, of course, but that's who he is. So what has been your breakdown of Bud Dupree? I think Bud Dupree has gotten better ever since he's been in the league. Again, as I said, I remember now, I mean, that's, that's very much recent for me as vetting Bud Dupree coming out of Kentucky. And we had him for a 30 visit at the Rams you know, when I was there and spent, you know, myself and, and Frank Bush spent a lot of time with him, you oh, know, when okay. he came in, when he came in for the visit, you know, very intelligent. And here's the thing about Bud Dupree in, at Kentucky. And I think all our listeners can relate to this because he was such a good player. They played him everywhere on defense. And, mm. and, and that's a plus and a minus because mm. the plus is, I mean, he can, he can help your scheme weekly with what you want to do. The minus is he never really zeroed in on any techniques at one position. Once he got into the National Football League, went went to Pittsburgh, got as an outside backer in a 3-4 defense, there are a lot of nuances and techniques to learn out there, and he has gotten consistently better, you know, every year with the nuances and the techniques of it. That's what Vrabel was. He was a great technique player, other than just being relentless, being extremely smart, and, and, and just a physical, physical player. But Dupree has gotten better every year that he has been there, and in fact, he was on his way probably to his best year you know, before he suffered that ACL injury this year. So I think what you've got is you've got an ascending player. uh, And and I think sometimes people say, well, you know, that sounds a little different for him being a high draft pick, say ascending player. A lot of guys come into this league, Blaine, and you know this, they come into this league with traits, but those traits have to be developed Mm -hmm. to be able to reach a full potential in the National Football League because your competition is so intense. Well, Coach, I'm glad you said that because it's 23 days. Yes, my jersey number, 23 days until the draft. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to ask you again, who are some of the sleepers? And when I say sleepers, you know, and I'm talking about fifth through seventh that end up being probably potentially better players and eventually start in the league at some point. Any guys that stand on any position that, you know, you can roll off your tongue through all your notes, you're thinking about, hey, man, this guy's pretty good, whether the Titans get him or not. I just love hearing about those guys because they always get overlooked, for whether it's because of their size or maybe they're a step too slow or whatever it may be. They don't meet all the measurables. But when they get on the football field, you say, hey, that dude can play some ball. 
You know what? I, 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 it, it's funny that you asked that question right now. And, and, and for you know, a clear disclosure, we had not talked about this before, mm-hmm. is that uh, I was watching Davion Nixon, who's a down the line guy at Iowa, you know, mm-hmm. a defensive tackle. But he's not the guy I want to talk about. I want to talk about number 49, the linebacker, Nick Neiman. You know, Nick Neiman played behind the ball. He's, he's been Neiman's brother, who's playing in the league now. And I started looking at him. I said, who is this dude? You know, because as I said, I don't have any preconceived notions going in. And again, I don't know these players. I just know what I see on tape. And, and, and I'm looking at him going, you know, this guy makes a lot of plays. And then, uh, you know, Rhett Bryan, I asked, I said, hey, check this guy's pro day out for me. And he did. I mean, you know, you got a 6'3", 230-pound dude that can run. You know, but and all I know I saw on film was somebody that looked like he was very instinctive and was making a lot of tackles. So there's a dude for you, Nick Neiman, uh, number 49, a linebacker at uh, at Iowa. Mm. Coach Mack, bringing the heat, bringing the Mack attack. We're on with Coach Mack with Titans uh, Radio. So, Coach, what was your biggest priority when you went to a pro day as a coach? What was your biggest priority? It depended on what position I was going to look at. You know, I mean, it, it really did. I mean, what position I was going to look at. And my biggest priority was, let's go, if I'm a position coach and I'm going there for a specific reason, I want to get my hands on that linebacker in drills. You know, now it's different. It's different now because, you know, you could then you could go out to dinner with him. You could do a lot of things with him. You know, but I wanted to get my hands personally on a linebacker and put him through some drills that he was going to run when he got to me. But not just drills to run drills. You know, I never believed in that. I believed in position specific drills that would show me something. That's what I wanted to do, because the weighing, the measuring, the 40, all of that stuff, you know, that's the scouts work. They can do all the timing and stuff they want, but the way pro days work is once they're through with all of that, then they turn them over to the position coaches. And so what I wanted to do when I was a position coach is make sure I got my hands on him. And if there were some other linebacker coaches there, we would talk and say, okay, here's the three things I'm going to do with him because everybody else wanted to do the same thing. All right, well, these are the drills I will put him through. That was huge for me. I wanted to do that. Now, as when I went as a coordinator and was looking at various positions, then I wanted to be sure if there were some people that we were really interested in or we needed some more information on that I had my position coach there. I wanted to be sure I had a position coach there or, and again, I mean, as you travel in the National Football League to these pro days, in the days when you used to could travel, you knew who the, you knew who the position coaches were from other teams that were going to be there. And you could tell, I mean, you know, if, if you went somewhere to look at a defensive lineman and Jim Washburn was there working them out, you knew you were <laughs> going to see something. I mean, you really were. You, yeah. you were going to see something that was worthwhile. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, to me, that was very, very important. Then when I became a head coach, of course, clearly, then I wanted to be, I wanted to be sure, because if I went somewhere, it was somebody that we were, you know, not only interested in, but, you know, thought we might have a chance to be able to, to, to procure, you never know how the draft's going to fall, but then I wanted to visit with them because, you know, at that time, hopefully I'd hired a good enough assistant coaches that they could put them through, they could put them through some drills. I still wanted to be involved in the drills. I always wanted to do that just to see how they take instruction, those types of things. I mean, that's, that was important to me. So did you ever have a guy, obviously you're there to see a a specific guy, maybe a potential first round, second round pick, whatever. Was there ever a guy that you didn't know much about that you left a pro day and thought, son of a gun, we need this dude right here, a late round guy, a free agent, but somebody you thought, I really want that guy to come to camp with my team. Not just off, not just off a school workout. No, you know, I, 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 I left saying I'd like to investigate this guy a little more, you know, to look at, but I, I never, 
because, you know, a school workout, again, is just a piece of the information. That's just a piece of the evaluation process. So, no, you know, I never I never came off of a school workout going, we need that guy. I came off of some school workouts going, hey, let's check into this. Let's check into this little corner out there that was, you know, that was part of the workout. Let, let's give me the background on it. Let me get to my uh, area scout. Let, let, just give me the background on this guy. There might be a reason why he wasn't brought up. But again, if he physically showed me something and the first thing is speed, you know, if somebody's got speed and then, and then if they're, if they're a good foot athlete, and then the other thing that I really wanted to see, I mentioned Jim Washburn earlier, what he would always do. You could see how competitive the guys were too. Because some guys, you know, when they're in their pro day, some guys, you know, just like in life, some people take uh, job interviews more seriously than others. You know, I wanted to see that too. Lucas Blaine, he says that we've got a caller, Tommy in Nashville. He's got a question for Coach Mack. Coach Mack loves to answer caller questions. So, Tommy, fire away with Coach Mack. Think about quarterbacks. Thanks, Coach Mack. I understand that you can't just look at the pro day and, know everything you need to know but i was channel surfing the other day and i happened to watch the pro day for the stanford quarterback it was in a rainstorm and this kid did not miss a throw for 20 minutes i just wondered and the receivers were unbelievable too throwing in a in pretty much a driving rainstorm i was really impressed i didn't know if you knew much about him or not i'll hang up and listen Tommy, thanks for the call. I love talking to our, I love talking to our listeners. I really do. And I've missed that during the pandemic, being able to be out among the, the, the fans, our listeners. Uh, that's going to change pretty soon. I yeah. promise you. You're talking about Davis Mills is who you're talking about from Stanford. That's mm-hmm. who you're talking about. 6'4", 225 pounds. He was a two-year starter there. This guy was a big-time recruit, you know, you know uh, coming out of high school. And, 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 and you know, he, he came out in the same class that Tua did. And so, you know, those two were, were really kind of the best ones. But this guy, you know, I, I, you look at him physically. I mean, he's a, yeah. a good-looking dude now. And, and, and if you watch some of his tape, I've watched a little bit of his tape. He can throw from all the different types. He can throw from all different type of launch pads, okay? And to me, what he is, he still needs some throws that, that he needs to work on, just like all of them do that coming out. But, but, but when you watch him play in for real, I didn't see his workout, but you did, but he throws a very, you know, he, some guys throw a, a, a spinning ball, but it's hard to catch. This guy was throwing a lot of places was, was really placing the ball, you know, very, very well. So Davis Mills, Davis Mills to me is in that, is in that uh, kind of third tier. I think he'd probably be a, a, a third day guy, but, uh, you know, when, when you start to looking at him, uh, now, he had a left knee issue. I do know that from the work that, that Rhett Bryan has done. He's had a left knee issue that needs to be checked out. But, Tommy, you're talking about Davis Mills, okay? And, and as I say, here's the thing you've got to know about a quarterback workout, too. And, just, and keep this in mind, Tommy, next time you're channel surfing and watching, those are all orchestrated throws. They're all orchestrated throws and there is no rush. But if you hit the, the thing to look at is how is, is the ball coming out on time? All right. And, and, and don't just look at the arm and the throw. Look at from the waist down. Look at seeing what type of launch platform he's throwing from. See what you're looking at. And, 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 and if, you, if you can see that he's well balanced, 
you know, and, and if he's and if he's scanning, if he's bringing his his platform with him when he scans, just check a look, take a look at that when you're watching quarterbacks throw, because basically it's a throwing drill is what it is when you go to a, a workout, a pro day workout for a quarterback. I'm a coach, Matt, getting the Mac attack here on Blaine and me. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that next time we have you on. We're going to make sure we're going to set it up where all callers can call in with any player questions on drafted guys, maybe even NFL guy. Like I'm about to ask you about the kid we just signed, Farley, the special teams, you know, guru, I guess, he's a special team type player, backup safety, potentially yeah. starting the dime package. I think the Titan safety coach coached him at, at Notre Dame. I think that's the connection. So I guess tell, tell us a little bit about him when you scouted him when he came out and let alone he played pretty solid in the NFL. Yeah, well, I, I think I think he's a depth guy, Blaine. Mm-hmm. And, and a, depth guy, a depth guy is not a derogatory term. I mean, people yeah. need to understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very important. You know, if you're going to be on if you're going to be on the active, you know, 53, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to be if you're going to be on the active game day roster, you know, that that's extremely important. I mean, that's extremely important. And the special teams part of it, I think sometimes people get categorized in their mind. I'm talking about people that listen. And when they say, well, he's a special teams player. Well, okay, so what? That's a that's a skill in the National Football League. That is a skill in the National Football League. I mean, you can remember, you know, back when I was coaching, you know, uh, uh, when we brought Tim Shaw in here to play for us. He was a special teams guru and and proved it. You know, but those guys are valuable because that that aspect of the game, especially when you have a special teams weapon like we have in Brett Kern, you got guys that can that can protect and that can cover, that can allow you to 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 be able to directional kick, cut the field in half, do all those types of things. Special teams are a huge part of of playing the complimentary football game in the National Football League. He's a really good special teams player, and he can be a depth position player on defense. And as you said, Blaine, he's played snaps from the line of scrimmage. So it's not like if he has to go into a ball game that he's going to, that it's going to be too big for him. He's already proven that he can do that. Well, this is a broader question. Only you with all the diverse things that you've done in the national football league, (laughs) being a head coach, this is a head coach question. So put your head coach uh, mind in and said, and when you have to deal with, and the media is so different now with all the social media, when you sit there and you have to, you know, have media days almost every day or every other day, and you, you know, you just start getting a vibe and feel for the other media people, you develop a relationship with them. And they keep continually asking you questions that you really don't want to answer. How did you approach those type of questions or media members when you just knew this guy is just out to write something negative, I got to keep it positive. I got to go down this road and I'm just not going to go down it. How did you approach that as a head coach when you're head coach? Well, I mean, it, it, to me, first of all, you know, it, it's a people business. You know, I was always mm-hmm. very respectful of the of the press and the media. They have a job to do. Yep. They have a job to do. And it's just like anybody else. I mean, you've got good people in the press. You've got bad people in the press. You've got people in the press, you know, that, that want to do their jobs. You know, and then you've got some people that, that, you know, just want to, you know, have a light shined on them saying, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being the tough guy all the time. So I, I really didn't treat them all any differently. I mean, I, I, I treat them very respectfully because I understood they had a job to, and at the end of it all, I mean, my job was to win football games. Sure. And so if I get my players ready and, you know, and, and I win football games, well then, 
it's fine. But I mean, I, you know, I was, I never had any problems with the press because I was always very honest with them. You know, I, I was, I was, I was honest with them. And then, but there are certain guys in the press that you can trust more than others. That's just like there is in life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there really is. I mean, I can point to, to, and, and these guys still appreciate it. And, and the, the press appreciated it at the time. I remember, uh, you know, a huge story, huge national story broke when Pat Tillman came in and sat down and told me that he was going to enlist. All right. Well, you know, he hadn't been at, he hadn't been at, uh, at mini camp. He had, everybody was wondering what he was going to do. Well, it was a huge story. And so, you know, when he left my office, I said, Pat, look, this is going to be a major story. Have you ever thought, I mean, have you thought ahead as to, as to how you're going to handle this? He said, no, he said, you will coach Mac. You're good at this. You know? So what I did, what I did, and I decided I got my PR director and said, look, this is a massive story. I said, but get the three guys. There were three local guys there that I really trusted. I said, tell them to come up to my office. I'm going to give them this story first. I'm going to give them this story first before the national media gets it because everything, you know, I mean, I, I felt like that they had earned that trust and they deserve that. And they, de you know, they deserve to get that, to get that story first. And then I just, I told them, I said, guys, look, sit down, get your notebooks out because I'm going to tell you something here that's going to be, you know, big news, but I wanted you guys to hear it first from me. And believe me, you're not going to hear it from Pat because he's not doing any interviews. He's not doing anything about this. And so I did. And they, you know, and to this day, they still appreciated it. And, and plus their counterparts appreciated it because they said, you know, at least, at least he thought enough of the trust he had in us to give us that big story. Ooh, and Coach Mack giving us a Mack at that. <laughs> No doubt. Um, Coach, before we let you go, for people who want, what, a whole nother hour of this, you got one coming up tomorrow night, right? You and Rhett with a Mac Talk Draft Talk edition, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Is that right? Right here on the zone? You know, Rhett and I, Rhett and I uh, uh, you know, decided, and then the powers of B said they would love to have us. We're going to do Wednesday nights leading up to the draft, all four Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. It will be Mac Talk Draft Talk. With Coach Ooh. Mack and Rhett Bryan. And what we're going to do, we're going to take two positions, you know, every week, highlight those positions. And then, of course, just like we did on Mac Talk that we've done for the last two seasons, we will take any and all calls, you know, because uh, we, we, we just love doing that. And so it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, and so, you know, just like Tommy called in now, we, you, normally during Mac Talk during the season, guys, we'll get 20 to 25 calls in a, in, in a 40 minute, 40 minute hit. So I'm looking forward to interacting with our fans and talking about the draft. And Rhett Bryan is the great best draft partner you can ever have because, you know, I can evaluate the film, but you talk about a guy that can dig and find the story behind the story for all of these players. Rhett Bryan is the absolute best. So we'll have a lot of fun with it. I love it. Uh, I'll be listening for sure. Seven o'clock Farm Bureau Health Plans making this possible too. Uh, they love them some Coach Mack and so do we. Coach, thank you for the time, man. We'll be checking that out. Tomorrow night at 7, you and Rhett, Mac Talk, Draft Talk, right here on yeah, the zone. Thanks, Mickey. Yeah, Randy Wilmore and Farm Bureau, th those people are so good. I mean, you talk about number one draft choices. Farm Bureau Health Plan, that's a number one draft choice, believe me. No doubt. I told you, I've had some kind of insurance with them since like 1986. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> trust look, me, I know. And look how well you're doing. <laughs> oh man what an endorsement thank you coach Mack. we'll see you, see you guys see you tomorrow night at seven all right blaine reference blaine references what did willie begin to say about bud dupree and mike Frable? we got that audio we'll hit you with that next blaine and mickey 104.5 the zone blaine and mickey
cat scratch fever in our way through the final segment in this show. So Willie McGinnis, who's on the, uh, I, I appreciate Lucas throwing in some classic rock every once and again for, for me, the old classic rock guy. I appreciate it. Lucas, uh, doing a great job producing and keeping the music interesting. Our guy, JT, we miss him. JT's thing was if he got in a specific letter of the alphabet, he would just pick 10 songs that day that started with those letters and he would move on. It was, it tortured him to pick the music. So I would say, Hey man, would you play, you know, would you play whatever mean streets by Van Halen today? And he'd be like, absolutely. You have anything else you want me to play? And I said, look, I'm not, he's like, you can always pick songs. You're never telling me how to do my job. Pick all the songs that you want. So I used to make JT play requests. So uh, I may bug, I may bug Lucas with that at some point too. Um, Willie McGinnis, NFL network. Dude is a fantastic analyst, and boy, was he a good football player. And he played with a guy named Mike Frable. And, Blaine, you said you saw this yesterday. I just happened upon this today. Uh, I guess he said it yesterday. The video is finally making it out. But he was talking about Bud Dupree and a player comp for Bud Dupree. But anyway, here is Willie McGinnis on the NFL Network talking Dupree and Frable. Dupree, what can he do? Uh, for this Titans D. Well, first of all, they need help in the pass rushing. Bud Dupree can definitely do that. But when you talk about Bud Dupree specifically, he is Mike Vrabel. I remember being with the Patriots, and we acquired Mike Vrabel from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who only played with his hand in the dirt. Bill Belichick saw that he was versatile, he was smart, he was a great athlete, he was fast, and he can do multiple things. Well, this is Bud Dupree, so here's Mike Vrabel, who actually did all the things that he possibly can ask Bud Dupree to do. Not only is he a pass rusher, but he can defend against the run. You can play multiple defenses because you can stand him up. You can walk him out versus a slot. You can do a lot of different things in coverage because he has experience in college and he's been doing the coverage things. But Vrabel understands this because he was one of those linebackers that can do it all. Third down, yeah, our hand was in the dirt. Hey, if we had to go arrow coverage where well, we had to walk out and cover and drop in the zones or play some man-to-man against tight ends and running backs, he could also do that as well. So Vrabel has a clear inclination of who this kid is because that's who he was and that's how he played the game. So he brings a lot of versatility to this defense, and he's definitely going to help them do a lot of great things. Yeah, they've got some talent in Pittsburgh, but there was a clear before and after Absolutely. Bud Dupree uh, got hurt in 2020. So Willie McGinnis, NFL Network, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Blaine. I was really surprised when he started comping those two guys, Mike Vrabel and, and Bud Dupree. Uh, no doubt about it. I knew uh, Vrabel had versatility, but I, I didn't know how much. I wasn't watching Mike Vrabel and the Patriots go on their, their run there, just dominating the NFL. But uh, their defense was actually really good with, mm-hmm. with Big Will and him and, and the crew that they had uh, there uh, with uh, Ty Law, Rodney Harrison. We can go down the list. Yeah. Ruski and whoever else, Vince Wolfork. I mean, you today, there's a whole bunch of really good players. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just a little surprising because Bud Dupree, I just look at more of a, a little more athletic and probably he is a modern day version of Rabel, uh, just a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit stronger and faster as everybody else is comparable uh, to today's, uh, you know, NFL players. So, they, yeah, but to hear him say it, he played with them. He would know better than anybody. So, yeah, no doubt. Big Will. Yeah, I know Big Will. Great dude. And the, the size comp for these guys, Vrabel was listed at 6'4", 261, which, man, I used to look at Vrabel. He's 6'4", 261. Bud Dupree, 6'4", 269. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, I knew he 
269 is what Pro Football Reference lists him as. And usually that's your your weight listed off your team's uh, roster site. I did not. I, I mean, I knew he had some sand in his britches, as Coach Max says. I did not know that dude was basically 270 pounds. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was thinking more like 250. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would have thought that's two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That boy. That's a lot of dude moving quickly uh, at about 270 pounds. Talking about Bud Dupree, man. Yeah, and I saw him a little bit more in coverage after uh, seeing that video. I saw a lot of him in coverage more than I thought he was. Uh, so, uh, But he still had those uh, brick hands like I do. So, <laughs> well, the, the main clip oh. that they showed under that was him dropping into coverage. And, dude, it looked like he was playing dodgeball. The ball hit him and bounced. It bounced 20 yards away from him. It hit him and bounced so hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a PBU though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Regardless though, that you get a PBU <laughs> though, that's, that's awesome. Fast breakup. Yeah, I used to love it. I got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think Lucas uh, better not. <laughs> Lucas giving us a signal. It's time to wrap it up. He's just hand signaling us. Uh, it is time for us to go. Three HL coming up next uh, tomorrow. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some balls. We're going to talk some Titans and more like we always do. And uh, it'll be hump day. So halfway home on the weekend for everybody. Can't wait to do it right now. Though, like I said, three HLs next. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Happy Tuesday.